The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and on this episode of the podcast, I'm back again with another episode of the NFL Weekly Show with Wayne Ferret. So Wayne, I can ask you how it's going, but I did see the Eagles... um, Ravens game, and I know the Eagles at least made it close to the end. Grant Carson Wentz uh, could always use some O-line help, so I don't know. Does that answer how you're doing? Is there anything else going on, maybe? Yeah, they, we got a new thing around here called Moral Victory Mondays, so, mm, you know, like we got to take the positives away from it. You know, a lot of people didn't expect us to, to beat the Ravens, so, but a lot of positives came from the game, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, First, let's uh, get into winners and losers. Then we'll talk about the Eagles and, of course, the Cowboys here in a second and the NFC East as a whole, too, before we get to what we're looking forward to from the uh, next week, the NFL schedule. So I'll ask you first here. What are your uh, big, I guess, three or however many winners you have from the past week? Yeah, so I I had three winners. Uh, Normally we do three, I would say, realistically. Two of them were really bright spots to me, but... Uh, my top three this week at number three uh, is the Atlanta Falcons, right? They fired their coach. They fired the general manager. They went through a whole new, like, hey, like, we're going to play this year out. We're going to see what happens. Um, people were calling for Matt Ryan's head last week. Like, I think uh, one of the – there's a famous, famous rapper that was on ESPN saying that he'll pay for his one-way ticket out of town. Uh, well, he shut everyone up. Uh, he went, you know, 30 for 40 passing with four touchdowns. Looked like the Matt Ryan we're supposed to be seeing. Um, and they got a W. So um, in regards to being a winner, I mean, that's a winner, but they may have pushed themselves just a bit out of the Trevor Lawrence sequence um, and the contest for that. My number two winners of the week is the New York Giants. All right, we, we let off the show talking about the NFC East and how really miserable it's been in the conference this year. And, you know, with their W over Washington, you know, they have a big game this Thursday night that if they happen to win, they could – end up in first place in the NFC East. As crazy as that sounds, a team with no wins two weeks ago could be in first place. Um, Daniel Jones had a big day rushing, which was surprising. Seven attempts for 74 yards, had a big uh, run in that game. And then my number one winner of the week is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, after losing week one to the New Orleans Saints uh, in the Superdome, people were saying, I don't know if Tom Brady's going to be the same team. Well, they fought back, and you know they really put themselves in position to move forward. Last week, they had a hiccup versus the Chicago Bears. Granted, Chicago has a good defense, um, and Nick Foles seems to have his number. But Tampa this week, like they just put it to Aaron Rodgers. Their defense showed up. I mean, they had two pick sixes, I believe. Um, Aaron Rodgers just didn't look comfortable. Um, he didn't look like the guy we were talking about as MVP the last so many weeks. And, you know, it was nice for Tom Brady to get his weapons back. And, you know, Gronkowski even I got into the end zone for the first time this week. So, you know, he got Gronk going. He has Chris Godwin back. And uh, Mike Evans played a little bit. Didn't do too much. But, you know, it's nice for Brady to have some weapons again and, uh, you know, really see what that full potential that Tampa Bay team can really be. And if they play like they did on Sunday, there's no reason why they shouldn't be the Super Bowl champs this year. Shout yeah, out I, you, Calvin. I, I never thought the Green Bay defense was great, but, man, they – they did not do anything to slow down 40-plus-year-old Tom Brady and all type of stuff, too. But my winners are a little bit different. I actually might have four here if I can stretch it, but we'll see. First winner I got to talk about here is the Steelers. That was a commanding and demanding win over the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield just looked like he was in trouble the entire game. Looked like he couldn't get any O-line help. And, yeah, the Steelers did lose Devin Bush for the rest of the season with a ligament tear, but... At the end of the day, like the Steelers just flat out won that game. They had even scoring through everything. If you've been listening to previous episodes week to week here at the NFL Podcast, I usually say how quarterback did as far as passing yards. Big Ben didn't have anything to talk about, but the Steelers still put up 38 points. So they clearly had an even distribution as far as scoring went. They, you know, I, I believe defensively they got a touchdown as well too. So the Steelers did an incredible job this past week just just overwhelming the Browns. I mean, this was kind of like the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, repeat, and whatever. And, oh, yeah, we're going to get, I think, Kareem Hunt or somebody on the Browns said, yeah, we're going to get revenge for that, you know, for Garrett and all type of stuff last year. And, hey, Browns, you scored seven points, and Stephen A. Smith saying that both of your star-wide receivers and Landry and Odell should be traded. So the Browns are back to, I guess, who we thought they were. You know, they're who we thought they were. 
Second one, I guess, is the Colts. The Colts should beat the Bengals. Like the Bengals should not be good, but the Bengals proved to be competitive, and the Colts had to come back down from being, I believe, down more than 14 points at one point in the game. So shout out to Phil Rivers for finally putting up some points. I have him in a, a fantasy league or two, and thank goodness Phil Rivers finally showed some light and that he's still got it, still can throw the sling around the ball, and he didn't look too bad. But then again, they should have beat the Bengals. So it's kind of like a win, but that's the one I'd have to stretch here if I'm saying it. Um, the next two, though, I think are definitely wins, winners of the week for sure. And that's the Bears and the Broncos. Bears I'll get to first. Bears are surprisingly leading that NFC North division right now, which is weird to say because the wins they've had and the games that they've played so far are not incredible. Like, they... They they beat the Buccaneers, but it wasn't like a defining win. You know, it's kind of like the Buc- I felt like the Buccaneers lost that game more or less. But Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers were had did have a winning record going into this game. They were three and two, and they lost Christian McCaffrey, and they didn't look that good. But then the Bears were able to again play really well and just win the game. And it looks like that maybe the Bears have a little bit of a formula of playing really well defensively, limiting the offense that they play against every single week, and then their own offense doing good enough to win. You know, this this looks like, yeah, Nick Foles is out there, you know, throwing it around whenever he really has to. You can't depend on Nick Foles to win you a game, but if you put him in good situations, he can be a true game manager to get you there. Um, and then, of course, here, I, I just... I guess I really want to talk about the Broncos more and more just because Drew Locke was injured before this game coming in, and it just feels like, wow, this is one that the Patriots really let slip away. This is in Foxborough. This is a game that, at the end of the day, Cam Newton really just should have taken over and won. I didn't think Broncos were that good, but after the game, both teams had the same record, and I believe going in, the Patriots had a 2-2 two and two record, and the Broncos had a 1-3 uh, and three record, if I have that right. So... I, I don't think Drew Locke's the you know next coming of Elway or that maybe you know that Drew Locke's the surefire quarterback for the Broncos or anything going forward, but it does feel as though the Broncos did have a really good win in this game. And yeah, their kicker scored a ton. I mean, they had um six points in the first, you know, in the first quarter, six points in the second quarter, and six points in the third quarter as well. To put them up, you know, eighteen um, you know, eighteen to three at one point in the game. But the Patriots just, I mean, they're so close to coming back in that game. It, it's its a really good win for the Broncos, and I feel like it's a good win for a second-year quarterback. And it just it's more to me, maybe I'll talk about it here in a second when we get to losers more, it's like the Patriots really lost this game. Like the Patriots, this this is normally a, oh yeah, Patriots win this one, they come back late, and it's 28-18, and we kind of talk about how Tom Brady can come back from anything. But of course, they don't have Brady, and they just have Belichick and Cam Newton, and I got to give props where it's due to the Broncos for beating, I mean, every single year, it seems like the dynasty team of the de- of the past two decades in the Patriots. So got to give props where it's due to the Broncos here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to kick it over to, you know, my losers, just to piggyback, like the, the Patriots are one of my biggest losers of the week. Like you, the week before we're supposed to play, um, you know, the Broncos without Cam Newton, right? So that was like mm-hmm. the big kicker and it was supposed to be really downhill for them. And, you know, they, they able, they were able to get him back and he was going to play and he just didn't play well. Like, I'll just be completely upfront with you. I don't know what Bill Belichick's mindset is, um, in between, you know, making yourself a, a running team the, the whole time. But, you know, with Cam Newton being your leading rusher, um, you know, that's, Speaking volumes, all I heard about the last two weeks was Damian Harris. Damian Harris, he's going to be the guy who takes over the backfield. I mean, the last time you talk about the the Patriots having, what, a, a guaranteed back that, like, you know is going to punch you in the throat and get the yards is, what, Corey Dillon? Like, we're talking that's how long it's been. And people were making praise for Damian Harris. And, you know, yeah, he was their leading running back with touches. But, like, you have Rex Burkhead with five and then – you know, you, I guess because they were down the whole time, they had to use James White in the passing game. So I guess it threw off their game plan. Maybe they thought that the Broncos weren't going to come out and, I guess, have a little bit more punch to them. Um, the defense, like I said, they, they did their job. Like, they scored six field goals, right? Like, <laughs> there's nothing, like, 
really flash about they just they took the points and they were giving them and you got to give props to them you know they went into foxborough and got the w um and then another loser like following up off of your steelers being big winners i have the browns as huge losers like baker mayfield did look terrible like i know he was banged up he wasn't supposed to play he made a comment like you know they asked him if he was gonna play last week and he said mama didn't raise a wuss like well you looked like a wuss out there man like you looked like you had a noodle arm he just didn't look like you had any game preparation. And, like, you had a 5.5 QBR to just show for it. Like, that's that's not good. Um, Odell Beckham was neutralized, right? Two catches, 25 yards, like nothing special. Couldn't get him open. I mean, the, the Steelers' defense is – don't get me wrong. Like, they're a really good defense. But, you know, you're right. They look like the Browns of old. And, you know, it, it, we'll see how they bounce back this week. I mean, do they go with Case Keenum or, you know, does – Baker Mayfield get his chance to play again. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to see Baker if he's healthy, but they got to just put that one behind them and move forward. Uh, it was just a tough game overall. And then my biggest loser of the week uh, actually played last night, Buffalo. I mean, look, the NFL set you up, right? You were supposed to play the Chiefs on a short week Thursday, but the week before you had to play Tennessee and that got moved to Tuesday. So the NFL did you a favor. They did you a favor and said, we're going to move you to Sunday so you can recover. You can get healthy. Awesome. Well, last Tuesday, they got their teeth kicked in. Like Tennessee looks great. Like, and their defenses didn't show up. I know they didn't have Davis white last week, but you look at like their game yesterday versus the chiefs. Like, I don't like that. Wasn't the Browns. We talked about the first three weeks of the season. Right. That wasn't – I meant the Bills. I'm sorry. That wasn't the Bills we talked about for, you know, that early. Um, they just got – like, they were supposed to be able to run the ball yesterday. Like, Devin Singletary's been such a disappointment. And I know they got the Zach Moss guy they're trying to work in there, and like, they're just not able to run the football. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's their, their linemen are hurt or whatever. But they just – I guess they get away from it too quickly, and they try to push the ball down the field. Now, they've had success with it, so if it works, don't we fix it. Um, but again, like back to the defense, like they just let up how it was 160 rushing yards to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, that guy's not even going to be starting for his team in two weeks when Le'Veon Bell finally checks in with the Chiefs. Um, that doesn't look like a team that's going to win the division. Like, and that might be good news for the, you know, the, the Patriots that had a hiccup this week and lost, but it's got to be a breath of fresh air for Miami. Right. So. I mean, like I said, Miami's right on their tail. You have New England shortly, you know, really quietly right behind them. I mean, they need to figure stuff out quickly. I mean, you're starting to play these better teams now, and now you're losing. I just – it's hard for me to really, really buy into this team and Josh Allen. Like, he had a couple bad passes yesterday that probably should have made that, you know, a third-year quarterback makes. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, hopefully they rebound this week. Yeah, for sure. I you know from the biggest thing you're taking away there is I gotta just latch on to the Browns. I, I think anyone who listens to podcasts knows I went to Oklahoma State and clearly I'm not an OU fan, and that's where Baker Mayfield went and graduated from. So of course I'm gonna jump on to the Baker hate whenever it's available. But I I look at the Baker Mayfield in the same way that I look at Case Keenum right Case Keenum, I guess, right now. In that I can see Baker being a Case Keenum type player down the line. I I have not been super impressed with Baker, I guess is my point. Have you have you been impressed with Baker? Do you feel like if the Browns are going to be good that he's he's their quarterback of the future? They've had a couple years to know now, I guess. Yeah, I mean my my thing is this, like his rookie year looked great, mm-hmm. but again, nobody had defense on him, right? Last year he just looked terrible. They were going through a whole new coaching change. It was just like they even set up to fail last year. And this year, like, the first few weeks, like, he played, I guess, average football, right? Like, winnable, like, quarterback play. But, again, you can't do that against the big teams. I think Stefanski's also, you know, he's exploring it, you know, seeing what he can and can't do. And, you know, what, we're, we're in year three of him. Year four is coming up. Like, do I think his job's in jeopardy? No. I mean, like, he's hurt. Like, don't, like, don't get me wrong. He's banged up right now. But if he doesn't, like – turn it around like a number one overall pick is supposed to be playing. Like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they go another route in the draft or free agency or whatever it may be. 
But I mean, until they really struggle, like you know, they are four and two, right? So like, they're not in panic land. Like any NFC East team would love to be four and two right now. Like that's the point I'm trying to make. (laughs) You know, like they're in a good spot in regards to like, okay, you can deal with that loss. It's it's not the end of the world. Yeah. It looks really bad, and of course, again, the Oklahoma State side of me, I'm watching James Washington and Mason Rudolph to see if they you know, do well in the Steelers game, so I'm always interested in how the Steelers are doing here and there, but, you know, watching that game, like 38-7 to is just, I guess if you're Baker, maybe you should have just gone, hey, you know what, I can't play today, because, dude, like, that was... That was really bad, and I don't know if the Browns' O-line was just not really prepared at all for the Steelers' defense or something, because it, it wasn't like Baker looked like he had a ton of time to throw either. And, of course, we're going to get into that here with the Eagles in a second, but I I just, man, I, um, I'm kind of waiting here. Like, all right, when are we going to say, you know what, Kyler Murray clearly is better than Baker Mayfield, and it's not even close. And, and Kyler looked great last night against the Cowboys, which... I'll say my losers real quick, and we'll get into that more. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how Baker does the rest of the season, how it finishes out in his, you know, I think what you said is third year, you know, his third season in the NFL. So, um, I'll get to my losers here as well. So, loser number one of the past week is, um, you know, I was gonna definitely just say, hey, you know, I'm totally with you. It's gotta be the Bills, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, not going to try to pile on too much, I guess. So, I I, I actually got to say the Ravens a little bit, to be honest. And the reason being is is that the Ravens, like, had that game, and they look pretty darn good. But this is another game where I go, are, how good are the Ravens? Like, are they are they super good? Are they okay? Are they just putting cruise control? Whatever, because... They really didn't use Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to win the game. They used him to rush the ball. And listen, we we both agree here. I don't. I think that between the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the rest of the NFC East, I'm not predicting a Super Bowl champion out of any of those four teams. So when one of them can score 28 points on you and is able to come back in the game and you're able to just close them out, that's really just that's just got to be concerning um, for me at least. The other loser I have is. I want to say like Romeo Cornell, not just the Texans, but just Romeo Cornell as a whole. Like, why go for two there at the end of the game against the Titans? Um, Granted, you go for one. Like, I understand it's you know not like a definitive you know, capitalization, just emphasis on the end of the game. Like, hey, we won for sure. But I just, I I don't know that that Titans game that would have been huge for the Texans if they could have beat the Titans. You look at those guys' records, the Titans are still unbeaten, and the Texans are 1-5. If the Texans were able to knock them off, and that game was just back and forth there at the end, which is a ton of fun to watch. With Derrick Henry running at 90-plus yards for a touchdown, and Deshaun Watson coming straight back with what seemed like a 90-yard pass, but I'm sure it was like 50 yards or so, to just come right back and you know, even it up and send to overtime was incredible. But you know, if Houston just has one more point, it, it'll be incredible for them as well, too, and and Houston would have won the game if they had just had one more point. So it's it's tough, and it's always retrospective. And, you know, okay, now clearly I can see what I would have done because I can see how the other way it worked out. But I would also say this. Like, the Texans, if I'm them, I'm playing more conservatively. If the Texans have the ability to tie a game or, you know, with a punt at the end like the Eagles did, I would have told the Texans, yeah, definitely, definitely do that because right now you're 1-5. You know, or you're you're one in four, and this game ends. At least it's not another loss. Because right now, Deshaun Watson, man, he he looks like he's doing all he can. And this leads me up to one more question here before I get to my last loser. So I got a question for you right now. Do you, if you're Deshaun Watson, and this this season ends out, and your team does not have an eight and eight record, which right now it looks really tough that you've got to win seven more games here down the stretch to even get to there. Do you request a trade if you're Deshaun Watson? You've got a 70 QBR rating over the past seasons, but of course you've, you're going to have a new GM and head coach this offseason. So what do you, what would you do if you're Deshaun Watson? Um, if I'm Deshaun Watson. I'm, I'm not doing that to be upfront with you. Um, okay. I think he knows, like from ownership at least, like, like he's a part of the plans. Like they made sure they got the extension done before the year, and um, realistically, like. 
I just don't like they don't have a first round pick this year, right? So they're not going to get a guy in the first round. Like that pick goes to Miami for the Laramie Tunsil trade, if I'm not mistaken. So like I don't necessarily think like he should request a trade. Now, if they come to him and say, like, hey, we're exploring, like, are you happy here? If they explore that with him, like, I mean, that's a conversation for him to have, but I don't think he'll go to the team directly and say, hey, I want out. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they get a new GM and, you know, everything in place, and I'm sure they're going to hire, like, Eric Bianimi will probably end up their coach next year, right? Like, the guy from the Chiefs, our offensive coordinator. Like, that's a good fit for a guy. Like, right there, he gets a quarterback. You don't have to worry about that. And, you know, you really build around him. Obviously, you don't have your first-round pick. But, you know, I'm sure they'll make a move somewhere, some way to get a pick. Um, but, again, it's, you know, it, it sucks to see them. They just shelled out all this money to him. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, the, the team is just, like, set up for failure by Bill O'Brien. So it's like – you just got to rip the Band-Aid off next year. I think the GM's going to say to him, like, hey, you're either safe or, like, we would love to move your contract. Like, what are your thoughts? Um, and, I mean, that'll be a lot of telling. Like, you know the general manager will meet with him when he comes in. Right, right. All right, well, um, I, I totally agree with you there. As far as he'd be great, he's, he's a great fit for the future. Like, the Texans should not want to move him at all. I just think that if you're Deshaun Watson, this is your fourth year in the league. You know, if this season ends up, well, I gotta ask you, like, like where would you, uh, where would you think that he would be a fit next season? Like, I look around the NFL and like look at the quarterback situations. Like, there's really not too many situations besides like, I don't know the the Jets really, maybe the Falcons. And I mean, the Falcons won a game this week. So, like, I mean, they might win enough games. The Falcons were, they're not in a position to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence, that guy from North Dakota State, whoever he is. I mean, like. He's got to look at it from that perspective, and I, I just I like if Deshaun Watson requests a trade, like they're going to trade him to New York. Like, what, what's New York going to give him? Think about it. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so if I'm if I'm a team out there who needs a quarterback, right? Like like the Bears, for example. This is this is one where the Bears, if they hadn't gotten Foles, right, and they still were just trying out Trubisky, I don't maybe they've lost two more games or one or whatever. And, you know, it's, we're talking about the bears differently. And I don't have much winner this past week, but like maybe the, the bears or if the Panthers one year in with Bridgewater, I there's, you're right. There's not really a great fit for Watson. Like if Watson goes, Hey, I, I'm requesting a trade. It's not necessarily, it's not the NBA. Like he can't be Anthony Davis and go, I'm requesting a trade from the Pelicans. You know, I'm, I'm requesting a trade basically to the Lakers. Like, you know, more or less we can see through it. There's not really that ability. You know, Watson can't just go, I'm requesting a trade and you better trade me to the Titans for Tannehill to tomorrow or I'm not playing another game. Like, you can't do that as an NFL player. It's not the same. But I don't know. I just feel as though Deshaun Watson really we're going to look back and go, man, these first four years that he was under Bill O'Brien and, and Bill O'Brien was his head coach are just, laughably bad because he really is one of those guys where he could use he could use DeAndre Hopkins for sure you know and I know it wasn't just a trade for D David Johnson but ah man the, the Texans just look like they need help you know and Deshaun Watson's the 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 dude doing stuff you know it's almost as though um Deshaun Watson is um 90 percent of what Aaron Rodgers is like right now, and this is a year where Aaron Rodgers just doesn't have a lot of guys to throw it to, and yeah, it's kind of the whole thing. We're talking about him for you know, MVP odds, of course, before this past weekend. But I go, I think of Deshaun Watson kind of in the same light. Like I, I, I can name a Texans receiver if I really, if like my life depends on it. But I, you know, you got to give me ten minutes to think about it. So I, I just. I'm hoping that Deshaun Watson gets more help and that the GM comes in and really help him out because he's a guy where I go, man, if he was playing for the Cowboys, maybe maybe we do make it past, you know, that first round where thirteen and three instead of Dak or so. Cause he just looks so incredibly good when he's on. So and and, and anyways, um I could talk about Deshaun Watson being underutilized for thirty years. So let me just uh, hop to this with 
the last loser I have is the 40, is the uh, I almost said 49ers, but they're they won the game. It's the Rams, and this is really just the Niners caught me by surprise in this one. This is a Sunday night football game. This is a you know this is just odd to me overall. I didn't think the Niners were gonna have the greatest season in the world just because it kind of looked like all right the Chiefs figured them out, but I did think the Niners would make the playoffs. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is out, and they don't look good. And then the Eagles, I believe that's the Eagles beat the Niners, right? So, man, I just didn't think the Niners were going to be able to pull this one off. And the Rams coming into the game four and one, and we talked about this for a while. If that Bills game, the Bills don't get that penalty call, then we're talking about an unbeaten Rams team here coming into face the 49ers before this weekend. So, Jared Goff and. You know, everyone else they got on that team, you know, it's kind of weird. Todd Gurley is gone now, who's a mainstay with the team, but they still have Cooper Cup, and I I think the Rams are pretty pretty darn good, you know, with Sean McVay, and that whole division's really tough with the Seahawks and everything, too. So it was odd to me that they lost this game. It caught me off guard. I just kind of chalked this one up to, yeah, the Rams should beat the 49ers, and, you know, maybe the Niners will have a good defense, and it won't be a high-scoring game, which it wasn't, but... I didn't think that the Niners were going to score 24 against the Rams with Aaron Donald either, you know? I mean, if I just had to say one MVP out of the whole league right now, not talking about offense or defense, I would have said Aaron Donald until that last game just because he was affecting every single game so much. But now I go, uh, man, probably Russell Wilson because uh, Aaron Donald didn't make the big of a difference and the Rams ended up losing the game. So uh, do you have any thoughts on that game before we talk about the Eagles and Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, I watched a little bit of it, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looked comfortable, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what I can say about it. I mean, they looked like how they were supposed to. Now it sucks they lost Mostert. I mean, he's going to be on the IR for a little bit. But, I mean, it's going back to that running back carousel. I guess it's McKinnon that's up next, and I guess that Jeff Wilson guy. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to watch that game. For sh- Well, it was interesting watching that game, but I, I think the uh, – the Rams have another tough game coming up this week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I believe they do here. Let me just double check real quick. Uh, I mean, that division's just tough. So whenever you can you know, beat a divisional opponent, yeah, they got the it Bears. looks like they should. Yeah, the Bear. yeah. And the Bears. Nick Bears, Foles always beats them, man. Yeah, and the and the Bears kind of play the same way as the Niners do, in my opinion. You know, not, a, not an excellent quarterback play, but really good defensive play to win games. So we'll see what happens. Um all right, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Let's just talk about the Cowboys first because I kind of almost want to get this out of the way. <laughs> so, uh, we, I mean, you sent me that link earlier today with basically a Cowboys player saying that the coaching staff doesn't know what they're doing. They look ill-prepared, all type of stuff. And I, I mean, I, I watched my football game. I watched with my dad. I'm known as the Cowboys fan. Um, around amongst the friends and all type of stuff. But this past week makes me go, no, nah, dude, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm actually just a Chargers fan in disguise because this Cowboys game looked bad. And I didn't think Andy Dalton would be the second coming or that Andy Dalton was going to have a Nick Foles type year whenever he re- stepped in for Carson Wentz when he was injured. And I didn't think Dalton was going to be just the answer and, you know, do anything without a hitch. But I also didn't think the the Cardinals were going to have 38 points in a game. The Cowboys were really going to have 10. I thought it would be at least closer. I knew, I know Dalton's going to need another game or two. But the other thing is, is that this is a game where I go, wow, the, the O-line for the Cowboys is just completely banged up. Like, there, there's just nobody out there. And I don't know. As a Cowboys fan, I don't know at this point. Because you have three star wide receivers, right? Just three amazing wide receivers who are incredible in CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and of course, Amari Cooper. And you've traded for Amari Cooper. You know, you, you've re-upped Gallup. You've just, just drafted CeeDee Lamb. And I know we missed last week, but two podcasts ago, you were asking me, hey, would you rather have a cornerback than CeeDee Lamb? And I go, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not, uh, whatever. And this game was kind of one where I go, yeah, probably. I mean, because... it. The three-headed wide receiver monster kind of core that we have is not making a big difference in games. If we're only scoring 10 and Gallup's having a ball go off his hands in the end zone and CeeDee Lamb looks 
good in spots, but you know, it doesn't look incredible. And Cooper looks good in spots, but these guys aren't just lighting it up every week offensively. And I knew coming into the season that was going to have to be the key to, to the Cowboys winning games was just let every just let everything go on the defense. Doesn't matter too much. Hopefully with Leighton Vanderesh and a couple of defensive ends and you know Gregory, who looks like he's going to play this weekend now. But, you know, Marcus Lawrence and a couple others, all right, the defense should be able to hold Pat, you know, just kind of hold still a couple of times. Play that kind of, um, at least used to be, but now it seems like it's SEC type of defense of, yeah, just just hold him once or twice. Get some, play for some turnovers, whatever, which is definitely how the SEC defenses are playing this year and the Big 12 almost every year does. But, man, the, the Dallas Cowboys defense really cannot hold anyone and yeah. I, I know they played some good offenses. And Baker Mayfield, no doubt Beckham, like they just torched us. And then they play a good defense in the Steelers. And and they, they don't look like anything. Maybe Baker is injured. And, you know, I can try to make ever many excuses I want to. But this is one where I go, man, the, the offensive line for the Cowboys is really out of it and dinged up. And I don't I don't know what the answer is with Zeke. He's got to be able to hold on to the ball. Our turnover margin is just horrible uh, you know, in every single game we've played so far, too. And if Zeke can hold on to the ball a little bit and we can get some things rolling and kind of play how we want to with Zeke being able to run more and not having realized so much on the passing game and an older quarterback in Dalton, then, okay, maybe we're fine and the game's closer. But that's also another area of concern is, you know, basically injuries and turnovers are gonna be anyone's Achilles heel and the Cowboys have huge issues with injuries and yeah turnovers. and I wanna I want to ask you a quick question just to cut you yeah. off yeah just hear me hear me out on this like let's just look at this thing from a whole perspective right Dak Prescott's gonna get how much next year 30 let's just say he gets let's say he gets 30 because I think the Cowboys let's say he gets another franchise right he gets another franchise tag it's what 35 now 33 34 whatever it is yeah. he'll probably jump up right yeah. You have two wins on the year. Your offensive line's banged up. Your defense can't stop a nosebleed, right? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to win a couple more games? Or Dallas could find themselves saving a bunch of money if they end up with a top three pick. And I'm sure Jerry Jones would do any, everything in his right mind to move up even further to number one. And get Trevor Lawrence, and you figure out your quarterback situation. You save money there, and then you sign a big cornerback in the offseason, or maybe trade for a, I don't know, let's just say a Patrick Peterson, and you start patching up holes, and then you get your O line back next year. Like, just, I don't like that's how I'm looking at it. I know they're in a division race. I saw Jerry Jones said this morning on the radio, he's not happy with the division lead, you know, because they're playing that bad. But I think that's starting to cross his mind right now. Is the financials? I guess it, like, so. Is, yeah. So would you be behind that? You bring up an excellent question because if you're able to get Trevor Lawrence, I'd say yes. If you're not able to get Trevor Lawrence, I'd say no. And if you have to give up, like let's say, let's say the Dallas Cowboys, uh, for example, I don't think the Jets are going to win a game this year where they're at right now. Maybe they win one, but the Cowboys already have two wins, so. Let's. I think the Jets, no matter what, are going to get the number one overall draft pick. I don't see any other option. I otherwise they would have fired Adam Gaze already, and then the interim head coach would try to have you know kind of a soulful win for the team or something. We see down the line. But do the Cowboys? I don't see you getting the number one overall pick. I see the Jets getting the number one overall pick, and I love the idea of saving the cap space money because you're right. Basically, the Cowboys right now are going. Okay, we're paying Zeke a six-year, $90 million contract we're in the second year of. That's insane valuation for running back. And going into the season, I went, man, okay, Christian McCaffrey's probably going to get paid the same amount. But now that his backup's playing similarly well, I don't know if McCaffrey's able to, even ha able to have the same kind of leverage that Zeke did. So, and Tony Pollard looks good in spots, whatever. So, if I'm the Cowboys... One, of course, you try to pull something over on somebody and trade Zeke, but that's just not going to happen. You and I both know that. So the next option is, yeah, let's 
Let's not re-up Dak unless we really have to. It's going to look bad PR-wise because, heck, you know, like, okay, Dak, you know, Dak was getting underpaid for the Cowboys for a while and yada, yada, whatever. But then again, maybe Dak's a product of the Cowboys O-line. I can talk. I can make excuses if needed, of course. So, yeah, if you're yeah. able to get one of these quarterbacks that's coming out of college on a rookie year deal for a co- at least a couple of seasons and you're able to kind of do that... Uh, we saw it. We saw it back with Russell Wilson when he won his first Super Bowl. Of he's on a rookie term deal. You're paying a lot of guys on the defense and other areas of the ball more money because your quarterback's on that rookie deal. That until this season was kind of the Patrick Mahomes thing as well too. I would do it. I I want to argue against you because I like Dak and I know who Dak is. And if Dak can come back fully healthy, then I want to argue against. But the likeliness of Dak coming back 100 percent of what he was likeliness of Dak saying, yeah, I'll take $25 million a year, and combined with the likeliness of the Cowboys having the cap room, all three of those things I just said there are not likely at all, and if you have to add them all together, which is what you have to do, it gives me like a 0% chance it all happens and works out, that Dak would take a cut, and that the salary cap would be okay with losing other guys, and Dak would come back full, back to where he was. It just not all yeah. three of those things I don't think are going to add up to be, you know, good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that it's got to be, like I said, floating around Jerry Jones' mind right now. Like, he's not an idiot. He sees what's going on. He knows what the record of the winner of the division is going to be. I'm sold if 5, 10, and 1 is going to win the division, right? Um, but the fact of the matter is, if like you can save $18 million, right, by getting a top pick. Um, you know, Jerry's just as crazy that, like I said, if he ends up with the fourth pick, he'll trade that pick in the next five years of first round picks to move up to one. Yeah. Well, let's shoot the Cowboys in the foot. Sure. But guess what? They'll have the money to sign the other guys. Um, it's almost similar to the Colts when they let Peyton Manning go and took Andrew Luck in that type of scenario, except for, I mean, it was more of an age thing and coming back from the neck injury. Um, so it's just something to monitor. I, I don't. I personally don't think you're going to lose the team in Washington this week, but I don't know. You got anything else on the Cowboys before I flip it over? Yeah, just just real quick. I hope this Cowboys season goes well, but going well has a different definition now. And really, the definition is I don't want us to finish below Washington, but I'm fine with us finishing third in the division now because that game last night just – Another kind of nail in the coffin of the hopes of this team being good, you know. And I didn't think the Dallas coming. I didn't think Dallas was going to be great after Dak went down, but I had some hope with Andy Dalton. And fingers crossed, he's okay in the next couple of weeks. But I'd also wouldn't hate seeing a fifth round draft pick being traded for Ryan Fitzpatrick and just kind of hit throwing him out there too, if that's available too. So. Anyways, it's kind of in my Dallas Cowboys rant. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I know uh, Andy Dalton likes that Dalton Schultz guy. He uh, helped me get a fantasy <laughs> last night. But um, all right, now over to the Eagles. Where to start, right? Um, this game is literally a tale of two different halves, right? Mm-hmm. The first half couldn't have gone as worse as it went, right? They were down 17 nothing at halftime. Um, a really bad fumble turnover by Carson Wentz trying to make a play on a read option fumbled inside his uh own 20 yard line and you know you give that you know field position to Baltimore they're, I mean they're going to score they run the football um you know and right before halftime the Eagles you know had a Hail Mary attempt that uh Travis Fulgham the unsung hero had in his hands that got knocked out I love the guy because he's sitting there in his head saying I should have caught that pass like to Hail Mary, like odds are like slow to nothing. You would have caught that. Um, but there was also a roughing the passer on the play. So the Eagles were gifted a field goal. Like they handed him a field goal, said, here you go. And it goes back to this kicker, Jake Elliott, and he has not been the same since 2017. And he missed it. I mean, those three points flips realistically flips the game. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, for Wentz, numbers weren't too bad. Uh, like I said, it was a tale of two halves. First half did not look good. Second half, got to go and finished the game 21 of 40, 213 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Honestly, down 17-0 they, when they willed their way back. It started right out of halftime with, 
not Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was out there, and the first play he ran a read option and you know got like 15 yards on the ground. Like started okay, like that was our first like realistic like ball movement like on like a big chunk play. Um, mostly it opened up the offense. We were able to run the ball, you know, you know, throw it a little bit. Um, so I mean, he had two carries for 23 yards, nothing special, but like he was on the field one driver. We got some points. And he was involved on every play, whether it be it was a him in the backfield next to Wentz, a screen to him, and then a throw back to Wentz. Um, it was it's interesting. Like you, it's exciting. Like you don't know what's going to happen when he's out there on the field. Um, he looked, like I said, for his job, he's okay with that job. He said, um, Eagles had two more injuries: Miles Sanders and uh, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is hot topic in the city right now. People are just not happy with him. Uh, he's in the contract dispute and realistically wants more money. And the Eagles are telling him, no, like we just don't have the money to give it to you. We have Dallas Goddard, who is arguably, you could say better. I mean, that Ertz you saw two years ago, um, he's gone. That guy doesn't exist anymore. So, um, you know, he's out, so we can't move him. And Miles Sanders won't be able to dress up this Thursday. So it's going to be Boston Scott. But going back to the game, Travis Fulgham again, six catches, 75 yards, one touchdown. He's the old Dominion product I talked to you guys about. They called the game-winning pass last time we had a podcast. Well, last week he had 10 catches, like 152 yards, and a touchdown. Like, monster performance. So he's the first Eagle in the first Eagle since Terrell Owens, T.O., to have three touchdowns in his first three games. Um, you know, overall for his three games, 18 catches, 284, three touchdowns. The Eagles probably found a diamond in the rough there. A guy who likes Wentz has chemistry. It's good. Um, but you know, going back to the game, obviously that the positive is Travis Fulgham is like here to stay. We'll see more on Thursday. Um, they had missed opportunities on the first drive of the Eagles game. Uh, on was like third and like eight, Wentz threw a deep ball. Giant Hightower beat the defense, was wide open on a double move dropped the football and that kind of set the tone for like the first half like damn if we got that pass like you know maybe maybe we get some points there maybe that 17 nothing isn't 17 because you know we would have had a little had him on their heels a little bit uh and then later on in the game in like the third uh, sorry the fourth quarter miles sanders dropped the touchdown pass like there's two opportunities right there that were dropped um and, i mean that's 14 points right there off the board that really came back to bite him at the end um, but like I said, you got to give the, the Wentz willed and fought his way back into the game. Um, the second half looked really good. Um, you know, he threw a touchdown to a guy named Jason Kroom. He's a tight end. We signed off the streets last week, you know, to fill in because Ertz was hurt. Um, he, you know, Travis Fulgham, it was like the fourth quarter with just under two minutes remaining. Threw a touchdown to him. Um, and then they went for two and, Doug Peterson is on record this week saying they ran out of like red zone plays. They didn't know what to run. So if you watch the game when they went for two, like to tie it up and they like the play clock went down to just about zero. Like they didn't have a call. And so it just came in late and they tried to run a read option with Wentz to Boston Scott. Keep in mind, I'm Miles Sanders, Boston Scott. And it was just like, it was just sniffed out because you ran the play clock all the way down. Like they, like, that linebacker is able to make a jump. You know, if there's eight seconds left on the play clock and they're making the play, you know, the linebacker's not making that jump. He's sitting back waiting. So was it I, – I, I, people will say it was ugly. It was terrible. They need to, like, fire these guys. Like, I don't necessarily think that. Like I so said, they, they willed their way back. The defense really stepped up in the second half. Um, over the last two weeks uh, against Pittsburgh and versus Baltimore, they scored 57 points total. Um, they were ranked number one and number two heading into week six in regards to defense. So if there's something positive to take away, like the offense looks like it's getting back on track. Uh, but again, like I couldn't tell you what's going to happen this Thursday with the the Giants. Like no, knowing the Eagles, like they'll get, they won't have any run game or they'll forget how to play call again. But so it's, again, I, I almost feel like I'm in the same position as, you know, you at the Dallas thing. Like if the Eagles happen to lose this week and, you know, that maybe you know, Dallas wins and it's like, you guys are starting to run away to like, do they pull off the pedal? You know, we're, we obviously don't need Trevor Lawrence. Like we're locked into Carson Wentz for former years, but it's just like, 
if you can get a top player, right, at the top of the draft, like we have O-line injuries, or if you can get like a top, like maybe wide receiver, right, that guy from Alabama is pretty darn good. I think it's Devontae Smith, if I'm not, if I may have messed up his name, but I mean, if you can snag one of those guys, like that might be the play. So this Thursday would be pretty darn telling. Um, I do think they come away with the W. I just, I feel like the offense is back. It's clicking on cylinders and the defense, it's starting to hold its own. Um, people are starting to come around. So, but again, the NFC East, right? The NFC least, you don't know. Yeah, I'm really, really fond of the memories I have from when the Cowboys went 13 and three, right after Romo goes down, and then Dak comes in, and then the Cowboys go 13 and three. That was just amazing. But you look at their upcoming schedule, right? The Eagles, right? They got the Giants this week. I believe it's Dallas after that, and then the Giants again. Like those are our next three games. Yeah, and they get Cleveland. And so, like, is there a chance they can win four? Like, I don't want to be that guy who jumps. Oh, we're gonna win these next four games. But, like, it's realistic. It's there. Um, I, I would, would I be surprised if they are 5-4-1 and one as they head into Seattle? No. I mean, that's what I told you about them going 7-2 and two from that one stretch of games. But, again, there's no margin for error now that they lost that Pittsburgh game. So, right. uh, we'll see. You know, it, it's definitely uh, – it sucked to watch them bring it all the way back and then – just the play call just rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, that, that's what you drew up on. Uh, you got to get it. You have to score here. But whatever. It is what it is. Um, there's some big games this weekend I'm at least looking forward to. Um, I just told you, like, the Eagles-Giants. Uh, Eagles win there in first place this Thursday. I'm pretty excited about that. Giants coming off W. Daniel Jones or Carson Wentz. Last time they played, week 17 last year, the Eagles won, got into the playoffs. Pretty exciting. So, Wentz has had a lot of success against the Giants, so we will see how that goes. The Patriots versus the 49ers this week. So this is Jimmy Garoppolo's homecoming to play uh, the Patriots since being traded and was supposed to be Tom Brady's successor. Um, maybe can, like, just shove it to him. Like, hey, like, this is what you get for trading me. You know, I was your guy, and here you go. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out. The Patriots still do have a really good defense. Remember, they did hold them to six mm-hmm. field goals this week. Yeah. And then uh, the, the biggest game of the week is Titans versus Steelers, right? T- Ryan Tannehill has been lights out. Um, I actually heard someone say that, you know, he's right up there in the MVP conversations right next to Patrick Mahomes. He's playing just as good as football as him. And just, they're just not talked about because they're Tennessee. Um, I love what Mike Vrabel's doing. Um, th- this weekend, there was, a, I w- there was a breakdown today about there was – three minutes left in the game and Mike Vrabel actually sent the guy out on the field to be 12 men on the field as a penalty to stop the clock. Uh, uh, a, and then they score right away after that. So it was, it was pretty interesting to do because he, he's done that type of stuff with managing the clock and like taking penalties on punting the football like three times in a row. Yep. Um, it was, it was genius because it forced them to stop the clock. They scored. And then he said, okay, we got to go and score this is how we got to do it. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing that. And then the, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the Steelers, the 5-0 as well. They should be pretty good. To, that should be a good matchup. Two good defenses. How about you, Calvin? Yeah, so that, that game is the top of the schedule for me, too. But following that one is actually this Raiders-Buccaneers game. So Raiders have a couple good wins so far on their season. They've beat the Saints. They beat the Chiefs. The Buccaneers, of course, just came off beating the Packers. So I'm really interested. That's Sunday night's game. And Tom Brady, I mean, I... I mean, Derek Carr, you know, didn't think I'd be saying that this year. I thought maybe Marcus Mariota would be seeing the field a little bit. And who knows, you know, whenever we get to weeks 15 or 16. But that should be a good one for sure. And then I'm always going to look forward just to seeing um, Russell Wilson just light it up on the field, as well as Patrick Mahomes. But Mahomes plays the Broncos this week. And, um, you know, at least the NFC West division here is something we're always talking about, it seems, with the Seahawks Cardinals. So Wilson gets to play against the Cardinals and... See how good they are, too. Um, I think the Cardinals team is just beating the teams they should and losing the teams they should as well and not really going off script too much except for that 49ers win for the first game of their season. But, you know, I mean, maybe the Cardinals put up a good fight. I don't know. They clearly can score 38 points in a football game. So I'm interested to see how 
Um, the Cardinals do, but also Kyler Murray, we've seen as well, can throw three picks in a game too. So um, those those are the three for me. And you know, honorable mention here, Packers Texans, just because does Deshaun Watson take another loss, or do the Packers kind of keep going down the slope of one bad week and then another bad week? But to me, honestly, Buccaneers defense is much better than Texans defense, so I see the Packers winning that one if I had to guess, but it'll still be a fun game. And then, I mean, Cowboys-Washington, if this is the if, if the Cowboys are going to win some games, you know, they clearly have to win the division against the division opponents, and the Eagles, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any faith that the Cowboys are going to just, yeah, for sure win a game going forward right now, because new quarterback, all type of stuff, and everyone's banged up as I've gotten into, but... Heck, Washington, we'll see. I mean, they've got an incredible defensive line and defensive ends, but maybe Washington's the team for the Cowboys to beat. We'll see. Hopeful. Fingers crossed. So, those those are the, well, I think I almost said five teams that, you know, this past week. But, um, but yeah, those are the teams I'm looking to see the matchups, at least this weekend. So, wait, I don't know. Any, any more things we want to get to here on this episode? Nope. I mean, that's uh, everything I got from this week. Always uh, keeping my head high, looking forward to the next week for the Eagles. But um, it, it's good to see uh, Gronkowski finally get back in the end zone. Um, so apparently he couldn't spike the ball with his right hand because his his right shoulder's hurt. So he spiked it to the left. He's taking a look at the video. Interesting. Okay, I did not. That's the inside knowledge we need. So Gronk's hurting his shoulder and can only spike with his left hand instead, which I would not have done <laughs> until he told me. So... Um, Either way, best wishes for Dak. I haven't said anything since his injury because I was not um, in town really able to watch that game, which I think was fortunate because that injury looked bad on every replay. And I only saw it blurred. But, you know, best wishes for Dak going forward. I mean, the guy's been through a lot. You know, lost his brother, I believe, earlier this year. He's lost a lot of cancer. So, hopefully he gets back in the field and it's all good to go. And best wishes for him if it's with the Cowboys or not. So, Wayne, thanks so much for joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour Podcast. Thanks for everyone for listening, and please follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more. And then if you have any questions for the CGA Tour Podcast, feel free to, of course, message me on Instagram, Twitter, or put it in a review or rating on iTunes. I always see those two. So thanks so much, and we'll catch you guys again soon.